Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for It's a smorgasbord. I'll take a little of this and a little of that, and I like that, and we'll take this and we'll move that and we'll put it all together, and that's who I am. And I'm a work in progress over and over and over and over again. But this does nothing but cause confusion, because in the end, if you take that mixture of Buddhism and cults and New Age and whatever, you take all of that and put it together, what do you have? You have no peace, you have no truth, and you have absolutely no chance of going to heaven. Some people shop for religion like they are in a cafeteria line. They choose elements from various religions that they find palatable and try to patch them together. In a sense, they try to create their own religion. In today's message, Pastor Mark sounds a warning that such religion will neither provide peace nor truth and will ultimately keep the one who subscribes to it out of heaven. Only Jesus Christ can provide salvation. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. The way to heaven is narrow, as narrow as one person, Jesus Christ. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his message entitled, Who is this Jesus? Beware, if you continue to just live with no change, eventually you'll have a hardened heart because your conscience can now listen to anything and it goes right over you. There's no softness for the things of God. Now, when that happens, it's dangerous. Well, look at verse 6. On Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias... Dance for them. She would have saw me would have been around anywhere between 12 and 14. She danced for them and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. So here's this stag party for Herod. Got all the guys together. The women would have been separated. There's alcohol flowing, gals flowing. And here's Herod's stepdaughter, 12 or 14. Can you imagine this? She's doing an incredibly sexual dance in front of dad. Now, why would she do that? Why in front of all of these men would she do this provocative dance? Well, we know why. Look at verse 8. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. What happened? Well, here's what happened. Remember, I talked to you about a woman that had scorn, a grudge. Herodias figured out there'd be a time she wasn't happy with John the Baptist just in prison. So she said to her daughter, dad's birthday's coming. When he asks you to dance, you do it. 
and you please him with an incredibly sexual dance. And that's what happened in that party. So much so that Herod just, with a little alcohol and just aroused, says, hey, whatever you want's yours. When that happens, can you imagine telling your 12-year-old, 14-year-old daughter, when that happens, you ask for John the Baptist to be murdered and his head be put on a bladder? Well, that's exactly what happened. When that took place, what was the response of John the Baptist when he hears this? Well, we don't know his response, but we do know Herod's. You see, Herod's kind of developed a friendship. A weird one, but a friendship. Well, look at verse 9. The king was distressed. But because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he ordered that her request be granted and had John beheaded in the prison. You see, a king at those days, he could have done anything he wanted. He could have said, you know, guys, I was drunk. That was stupid. I'm not going to do that. That, I I wasn't even in my right mind when I made that decision. But he didn't do that. He didn't back down out of the rash vow. He had a compromised conscience continually because he cared more about his dinner guests and his own reputation than he did about doing the right thing. Second thing to write. One compromise often leads to another. You see, when we begin to take the truth and play with it, well, you know the end. It's amazing. You remember David sat on that, should have been off to war, wasn't at war, compromised. Sit on his balcony, sees this beautiful woman Bathsheba bathing. That would have been enough. That was a sin. He lusted after her. Could have stopped it right there. Continues to compromise. Adultery. Murder her husband. Go against God for a year. How did it happen? You know the song, just one look is all it took. And he refused to do the right thing. Sin will take you farther than you ever imagine. Me as well. Well, verse 11, his head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. And John's disciples came and took his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. Do you know, historically, we know that Herod never, ever understood the question we're talking about this morning, who is Jesus? Herod never admitted he understood the truth about Jesus. In fact, so much so, later in the year, Herod had Jesus come before him on that day that Jesus was going to be sentenced to die, a crucifixion death. And Herod said, bring Jesus in here because I want him to do a miracle for me. Jesus came before Herod. And the Bible says that Jesus was completely silent. He wouldn't even speak to Herod. Why? Because Herod's heart was hardened. And Jesus wouldn't waste one word on him. It's too late. It's too late. So he never came and discovered the truth That Jesus was God's son, come to this earth to die for mankind. Well, what about the Da Vinci book? 50 million copies sold. What about the movie, the first weekend, $200 million worldwide? Has that book and movie done anything, any kind of damage to the average person on the street? 
Incredible. Two things. I want you to think about these. Number one, more skepticism and more spiritual confusion about who Jesus is. You see, that's Satan's goal. He hates the Bible and he hates Jesus. You see, most people in the world, listen to what I'm going to say to you this morning, and I'll say it in a kind way. Most people in the world are basically illiterate about the Bible. Most people in the world do not understand or do they read with any regularity the Bible. So when someone comes, like the Da Vinci book did, with a pretty convincing, I mean 50 million people are reading it. And the first page says, all these things are true. And they give us all these historical facts. So the average person who has no background in the Bible goes, well, maybe that is true. And that's exactly what's happened because that's what Satan has wanted to do. Now understand one more thing, and I'll make this short, but you need to understand, if you don't travel much overseas, then you have a funky view of what the world's like. You see, we're... We're about 300 million people here in the United States, but the world is 6.3 billion people. If you take the Da Vinci Code and let's go over to uh, Europe, let's go to Asia. Now, what about when that movie comes and is shown over there? More shown over there than here. More openings in Europe and Asia and all those other countries than here. When a person sees that and they go home with these questions, where are they going to find truth in those countries? Well, in most of those countries, there is no opportunity to turn on a radio and hear a pastor say, well, what you just heard in the Da Vinci Code is about 99.9% total lie. They don't have a chance to do that. If you go to Singapore with me, there is no Christian radio legally allowed on any station. If you go to Thailand, if you go to Europe, Europe is godless. These kids that are going over to England, the majority of the people there, 95 to 97%, don't even believe in God anymore. So they see the Da Vinci Code. Of course, it's from their area of the world. They go, I knew that's who Jesus was. I knew the church had this deal. I absolutely understand. So they're confused or they go, aha, skeptic. Ah, that's exactly right. But here... You can go on website after website after website and after website if you're interested and find the truth about the lies of the Da Vinci Code. Let me give you just one. I don't know, uh, leestrobel.org or .com. I can't remember which one it is. Incredible free stuff forever. I mean, till Jesus comes, you could, you could work on that. It's good. So who is Jesus? And is it important for you to know who he really is? That's what I'm going to spend my time on. He said, Pastor Mark, I'm I'm a Christian. I already know all that jazz. I'll guarantee you at least a third of you have no real clue what I'm going to talk about because you don't really understand who Jesus is and how you get to heaven. At least a third. At least a third of you. The rest of us have many friends and neighbors who don't come to church on any kind of regular basis. They're wonderful people. They are not conversant with this at all. They do not know. So we're going to go through today and say, well, let's think what the Da Vinci Code did. How how did the Da Vinci Code book and the movie characterize Christ? How do they see Jesus? Well, I could give you all the lies. I'm not going to go through all of those things about Mary Magdalene and Jesus being married in the Bible. I'm going to do one thing. How did they characterize Christ? Guys, when it comes down to your life, 
There's only one thing that's important. What you believe about Jesus and what you do with Jesus. Nothing else matters. And I'll show you exactly why. Well, what does Dan Brown, who's the author, what does he believe about Jesus? Well, we know from the book what he believes. Here's the statement you want to write down. And I'm not against Dan Brown. Dan Brown just needs the Lord. Like I needed the Lord and like you needed the Lord. Here's what Dan Brown will say to you. Dan Brown believes Jesus was simply a man, not the Messiah, and definitely Jesus was not God. Now, is that important? Well, you'll see how important that is. So that's what Dan Brown believes. When interviewed... When interviewed, and I'll give you the quote from when he was interviewed, they ask him what he believed. Now, here's the problem we have in America specifically, or English-speaking countries. When you say to a person, are you a Christian? So many people go, well, sure, I'm a Christian. I believe in Christ. Well, what do you believe about Christ? So watch what happens here, and, and I think it'd be very clear to you as we do it. When asked if he is a Christian, Dan Brown responds by saying, yes, I'm a Christian. Now listen to this. Then he says this, by attempting to rigidly classify ethereal concepts like faith, this is Dan Brown speaking, we end up debating semantics to the point that we entirely miss the obvious. That is that we're all trying to decipher life's big mysteries and we're following our own paths of enlightenment. I consider myself a student of many religions. The more I learn, the more questions I have. For me, the spiritual quest will be a lifelong work in progress. In a loving way, Dan is very confused. He has a mix of Jesus. And then when asked by People Magazine, what about the resurrection? And Dan Brown says that. Now remember, Dan Brown says that Jesus was not the son of God. When asked about the resurrection, Dan Brown said, well, certainly I believe in the resurrection. How can you be a Christian and not believe in the resurrection? (laughs) What? Well, how can you believe in the resurrection when Jesus was only a man? He wasn't God. So what does that mean? Listen, just like Herod Antipas, Dan Brown and millions of people have a mixture of religious beliefs. It's a smorgasbord. I'll take a little of this and a little of that, and I like that, and we'll take this and we'll move that and we'll put it all together, and that's who I am. And I'm a work in progress over and over and over and over again. But this does nothing but cause confusion. Because in the end, if you take that mixture of Buddhism and cults and New Age and whatever, you take all of that and put it together, what do you have? You have no peace, you have no truth, and you have absolutely no chance of going to heaven. So Dan Brown is unaware of an incredible principle that I want to show you this morning. 2,000 years ago, John, one of the disciples, wrote this. Look at what he wrote. By the way, if you have time this week, here's what you could do. You kind of just look at uh, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Small books toward the end of the Bible. You can read it in an easy, in a half-hour setting. Go through those, and you're going to see that the very same thing that the Da Vinci Code has caused in America, in the world, is confusion about who Jesus is, was exactly happening then. Exactly the same. The Da Vinci Code wasn't written. It's 2,000 years ago. Notice what John says. 1 John 2, verse 21. John, he says to the group of believers, so I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and falsehood. 
I heard Charles Stanley interest uh, recently. I thought it was classic. John writes to the church and he says, you know the truth. I'm just going to remind you that you know the truth. I'm not worried about you knowing lies. You know the truth. You're not deceived. Well, somebody said to Charles Stanley, who's the pastor of First Baptist of Atlanta, you know, great teacher. They said to him, I, I don't like coming to your church because you just like teach the Bible. Hello? <laughs> what else are we supposed to do? For sure. That's why we're taking our DNA to Vieira because we teach the Bible. We know the truth. So John says to the church, I'm not worried about it. But there were people in those days saying Jesus was all of these things. Basically that he was just a man. Notice the statement that John makes 2,000 years ago. No Da Vinci Code book even written. Notice what he says. Verse 22. He asks a question to the people. He says, who's the great liar? John 8 says that Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies. And in fact, there's no truth in him. So when I point out to you today that almost every single thing that Dan Brown says is true is a lie, who's really the author of the Da Vinci Code? Do you understand that? Do you understand that? Then notice what he says. He answers it. And who is the great liar? The one who says that Jesus is not the Christ. So what does that mean? If you say, I believe in Jesus, he's a good man, he's a great teacher, he was a good moral person, but I don't believe he is the son of God who came to live as a man, fully God and fully man, then you are a liar. Now, Dan Brown says he's a Christian. He doesn't understand that the Bible says he is not a Christian. Worse, look at the next sentence. It's underlined and highlighted in the color. You should be able to see it. John goes on and he says this. Such people are anti-Christ. Now, you don't have to get into language school to understand, hmm, what is an anti-Christ? It's a person who's what? Against Christ. By the way... When you see that, if a person, listen, if a person says, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe he's the son of God, John says 2,000 years ago, number one, you're a liar. Number two, you're an antichrist. Lots of little antichrists. The book of Revelation, we don't have time to go there. There's a big antichrist coming. What is the spirit of antichrist? What's antichrist trying to do? Antichrist's goal, run by Satan, is to remove God from everything that we know. That's his goal. During the seven years tribulation, he just tried to remove God totally from this earth. By the way, has the antichrist, the antichrist spirit that's in our world run by Satan today? How's he done in America? Let's, let's talk about the school. Has the Antichrist removed God from the school in our country? Absolutely. And he's trying to do it from the church. Do you know in West Palm Beach recently, I don't know what's happened with it, they're trying to pass an ordinance that a church can't build a building more than 750 people because they don't want the hassle. Guys, the spirit of Antichrist is alive. And so understand what this is. Such people are Antichrist for they have denied the Father and the Son. You say, you mean because I don't believe in Jesus, I'm denying the Father? Yes, the Father and the Son are one. He goes on and he says, anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either. But anyone who confesses the Son has the Father also. So what do we see? Can you be 
a Christian and not believe that Jesus is the son of God who came to this earth in flesh and lived his life sinlessly and went to the cross and died for your sin? Absolutely not. You're an anti-Christ. That's incredible. This isn't a new problem. Well, in the book, now we know how they classify Jesus. In the book, Dan Brown lists all these things. Well, the disciples never really believed Jesus was God. The early church fathers didn't. It didn't get to the council at 300 of Nicaea where they made that decision. Lie, lie. Jesus never claimed he was God. It was all a political deal. Well, let's go to the truth. Let's go to the truth this morning. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. How did the disciples who walked with him for three and a half years, how did they see Jesus? Did they believe he was fully man and fully God? First thing for you to write down when you see this is just this. The disciples believe Jesus to be God. In Matthew 16, that's why I'm asking you to turn there. The disciples absolutely believe Jesus to be God. Now, when the disciples came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, when Jesus came to the region, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? So the very same question that people are saying today, after they see the movie, after they read the book, they go like, well, who is this Jesus? Is it really true that he's like this figment of imagination? He's a nice guy and everything was orchestrated and politically and he was never really God, never said he was God. Is that who he is? What well, was the same problem then? Jesus says, hey, what are the guys in the streets saying about me? Well, look at the answer in, in your passage. They go through these topics. Notice what they say. Well, they replied, some say you're John the Baptist. Other people say you're Elijah. Other people say you're Jeremiah. And other people say you're one of the prophets. Jesus says, you know, I, I know that. People are confused about who I am. But then he says this to his disciples. I don't care about other people. Who do you say I am? I mean, you've been following me. Who am I? And notice... Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, Dan Brown says the disciples were confused who Jesus was. I beg to differ. Notice later, Peter would write this, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He knew exactly who Christ was. John, notice what he says. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Canaan Galilee. Remember when he turned the water into wine? And he thus revealed his glory, his deity, that he was God. And notice what it says. And circle it. His disciples put their faith in him. And the last one, John 6, 67. Then Jesus said to the twelve Remember, Jesus said, you're going to be my disciple. You're going to have to really, it's going to cost you. He said, and all these people left. Because, let me make a statement to you early on. Some of you will know who Jesus is. You absolutely know who he is. He's the son of God. But you will never turn your life over to him because you refuse to have God rule your life. I believe Herod, when, stand, when Jesus stood in front of him, absolutely knew who he was. But he had refused to ever turn his life over to him. The Da Vinci Code made some pretty fantastic claims about Jesus Christ that were contrary to what God says in his word. Today, Pastor Mark dispelled some of those claims as he showed that. Contrary to Dan Brown's assertions in his book, early Christians from the disciples on have believed that Jesus Christ is God. Using God's word, he destroyed that and many other assertions made by the Da Vinci Code. 
Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Who do men say Jesus is? And did Jesus ever really claim to be God? Or is this just something made up by men? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will challenge the idea that Jesus never claimed to be God. He'll also share quotes by early Christians showing what they truly believed about Jesus. But he'll also challenge us all with the most important question anyone can be asked. Who do you say Jesus is? We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Here